From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4BB, VK4 Baker Baker. This is the WIA National News for week commencing April 24, 2016, the first and last wireless ANZAC. Most military historians don't know that in April 1915 a small number of Australians landed with the British forces at the fateful point of Cape Hells and again at Suvla Bay. The official histories were written from official war diaries by the commanding officer of the 1st Signal Troop, Bert Billings, later to self-publish two books. An article written by Jim Gordon, VK3ZKK, retired Signal Corps Major and former manager of the Australian Army Signal Museum at McLeod in Victoria, sheds further light on those times. It seems Bert Billings was a wireless experimenter with a call sign XJP at Brighton Beach in Melbourne's southern bayside suburbs. He enlisted in the 21st Signal Engineers in 1912 and the following year sent the first Army wireless message in Victoria. Then Billings enlisted in the 1st Signal Troop of the Australian Imperial Force. He served on the Gallipoli Peninsula as an Anzac from the landing on April 25 until the evacuation on December 20, 2015. Bert was the first wireless operator to communicate from Gallipoli to British warships. On being one of the last to evacuate Gallipoli, he returned to Egypt to serve with the desert-mounted column in the Sinai Desert. Billings then transferred to the Australian Flying Corps and served in England and France, servicing the earliest Army aircraft wireless transmitters. More of the Burt Billings XJP story can be expected in a later VK1WIA broadcast. In fact, on next week's broadcast, listen for part two of the Burt Billings Anzac story, along with the WIA exam service report on its activities, the contents of Amateur Radio magazine for May, and an amateur radio balloon launch for the WIA annual general meeting held on Norfolk Island. And something else rather special will be a voice repeat of VK9RNI for Norfolk Island for the two weeks at its AGM late May. A site of VK9RNI is Mount Bates, the highest point of Norfolk Island, sitting at 319 metres. It's being proposed. The repeater is expected to have an excellent coverage. It will have an output on 439.3, Input 434.3. This will help those who have handheld receivers with contacts through it also qualifying for the Norfolk Island Award. And speaking of awards, I think an award or three should go to the directors and the people who are working behind the scenes for you on improving our lot as ham radio operators, be you paid up members of the Institute or not. Listen now to directors Roger Harrison and our president, Phil White. In a submission on behalf of all radio amateurs, the Wireless Institute of Australia has urged several actions against in-home power line telecommunications, or PLT, devices, also known as in-house BPL. These devices do not comply with the CISPA 22 standard. CISPA is the International Special Committee on Radio Interference, and its work is supported by the International Amateur Radio Union. The Australian Communications and Media Authority, ACMA, is reviewing the regulation for PLT or BPL in-home devices. These devices use high-frequency signals transmitted over the mains power lines to distribute broadband access, including the internet, throughout a home or building. The WIA has been very active, drawing attention to the potential for the technology to cause interference to HF radio users, 
You may recall some Australian electricity providers trialled BPL technology in Australia, mainly in Tasmania and Canberra. The technology was not adopted due to the various issues which made it non-commercial, including the problems associated with interference. However, in-home BPL, or PLT, has continued to be marketed. The WIA has called for the ACMA to continue to require CISPA 22 for in-home PLT devices to ensure the protection of existing and future radio communication services from radio noise pollution. The ACMA has asked whether it should use an alternative standard, EN 50561, which includes higher limits for PLT devices, but also includes signal notching for some, but not all, HF radio bands. The WIA has called on ACMA to continue to require the CISPA 22 standard for in-home PLT devices to ensure adequate protection for existing and future radio communication services from radio noise pollution. If the ACMA chooses to adopt the alternative standard, the WIA wants it modified for Australian conditions, so notching for protected frequencies cannot be removed or deactivated and also be extended to protect the 50 megameter band. The WIA also wants a warning notice placed on all PLT devices that state that the device may be responsible for radio interference and that in the case of interference should be removed from use. Over the years, suppliers have imported a large number of PLT devices that are not compliant with CISPA 22. The WIA believes that strong measures must be taken to avoid spectrum pollution, especially when our modern society is increasingly dependent on wireless communications devices. The full submission can be read on the WIA website at www.wia.org.au. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with news on the Institute's submission to the ACMA concerning future amateur licence conditions. At 22 pages and around 7,500 words, I have to admit there's quite a bit to digest. I recommend that everyone, I repeat, everyone, read the preamble, the first three pages. This sets out the sociological context in which amateur radio exists in today's digitally connected world, the role of the amateur service in relation to spectrum management, and how an interest in amateur radio has in the past, and continues to now, motivate young Australians to take up technical careers. This is important right now, when the Commonwealth Government is promoting innovation through commerce and industry hand-in-hand with fostering science, technology, engineering and mathematics in education, or STEM. An active interest in amateur radio provides exposure to every element of STEM. These issues are drawn out in the submissions preamble and placed in context with community and society today. A key purpose of the submission, I'd like to emphasise, is to enable greater self-determination for the amateur service, to reduce the burden of regulation on both licensees and the ACMA, or what regulator we get from the outcome of the government's spectrum review now underway. Many of the proposals in the submission for all licence grades are designed to ensure amateur radio remains relevant in the digitally connected age. There's something for everyone in it, existing and prospective licensees alike. However, getting down to the nitty-gritty, 
I beg your indulgence in concentrating on proposals for foundation licensees for now. I'll go into proposed conditions for standard and advanced licensees in another broadcast. In summary, the WIA proposes that foundation license operators be permitted use of a range of digital modes, including image transmissions, access to more bands across the spectrum, increased power to 50 watts, relaxed restrictions on transmission bandwidths, relaxed restriction on the use of commercially manufactured rigs, and to assemble and use commercially available receiver and transmitter kits. It is anachronistic in this era, when digital communications is the underlying infrastructure to daily life, that foundation licensees are denied the opportunity to learn and experience for themselves the use and applications of digital communications. The submission points out that the entry-level license conditions in a number of other countries have included digital modes and image transmissions since inception. Australia can't be all that innovative if our foundation-grade amateurs lag that far behind. The WIA submission calls for foundation operators to be able to use more bands across the spectrum. The six bands Australian foundation operators are currently allowed look decidedly mingy when compared to other entry-level licence conditions around the world, with the exception of Malaysia, but that country is in the midst of upgrading its amateur licence conditions. On the matter of power, the WIA submission calls for this to be lifted to 50 watts to better cope with urban noise levels in Australia and providing in other countries. Relaxing the restriction on foundation operators using only commercially manufactured transceivers and also permitting them to build and use kits meets the objective of broadening the availability and range of learning experiences in keeping with the official definition of the amateur service. Quote, for the purpose of self-training and technical investigations. End of quote. And that's not all. I won't detail everything here because you really should go to the WIA website, download the submission and read it for yourself right through. This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH for VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Let's whip around VK and VK3's show and tell event at Brisbane National Park was well attended. Among the highlights, a contact made with Jeff VK2ZAZ through amateur satellite FO29 by Joe VK3YSP and arguably the first such QSO to be logged within the VKFF Australian Parks program. Subject to confirmation, it will be the first VKFF satellite contact from a park. The show-and-tell day had several mini-presentations and demonstrations, including the operational VK3WI station. Among 17 radio amateurs were there, John VK2AWJ of Golgol, New South Wales, and John VK5BJE of Stirling, South Australia. After the show-and-tell, as part of the Keith Roger Memorial Award activity, there was a free barbecue with a lot of sharing of information about portable operation and award chasing. It looks like this will now become an annual event following another successful day of Portable in the Parks.
More about satellite communications and a nifty antenna rotator for portable satellite operation is to appear from Julian Joe Gonzalez in the May edition of Amateur Radio magazine. Now, I'm about to give myself an early mark and take off for a few weeks, so I'll leave Jason, Felix and Robert to continue and close this newscast. Walk softly. I'm Graham, VK4BB, or AX4BB, if you're listening Anzac Day. With this week's international news, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Spy versus Spy. How schoolchildren exposed Soviet secret. BBC News reports on the Kettering students who monitored Soviet satellites and discovered a secret launch site. The Kettering group consisted originally of staff and pupils at the Kettering Grammar School. It was originally titled the Kettering Grammar School Satellite Tracking Group. The teachers involved were radio amateur Derek Slater, Golf 3 Fox Oscar Zulu and Jeff Perry who in the 1990s gave several presentations about the group's work to the AMSAT UK colloquium. Jeff was fascinated by satellites and wanted to use them to teach his pupils about the Doppler effect. This led them to tracking a number of Soviet satellites and the discovery that the Soviets had a previously unknown launch base in Placetsk. Read the BBC News story on the interweb, URL in the text edition of this week's WIA National News. Voice Inside, Ham Radio 1000 Mile Contact Using Power Generated by Ham's Voice. Many of us have tried the old two tin cans connected by a string experiment as kids. Michael Rainey, Alpha Alpha 1 Tango Juliet, never quite forgot it. So he built El Silbo, a ham radio transmitter powered entirely by his voice. El Silbo is a double sideband transmitter for 75 metres, and while voice is used to excite the transmitter, it doesn't actually transmit voice. El Silbo is a CW affair, so you should bone up on your Morse code a bit before building one. Like many QRP transmitters, El Silbo's circuit is rather simple. A junk box loudspeaker is installed at the bottom of the can to convert voice power to electrical power. The signal is passed through a step-up transformer and used to excite a 75-metre crystal. Two NPN transistors pass the signal on through a second transformer. The signal is then routed through an LC network to the antenna. No truth to the rumour to repeat the contact. Alpha Alpha 1 Tango Juliet used baked bean cans. Ham Radio and the Ecuador Earthquake A magnitude 7.8 earthquake struck Ecuador at 23.58 UT on April 16, causing at least 400 deaths. The IARU Region 1 Emergency Communications Coordinator, Greg Mossop, Gulf Zero Delta Uniform Bravo, writes, Power and telephone systems are also reported as affected. The earthquake was also felt in neighbouring countries, and a tsunami warning was issued, but has now been removed. Caesar Pio Santos, Hotel Romeo 2 Papa, the IARU Region 2 Emergency Communications Coordinator, reports that the Echolink Node Hotel Charlie 1 Bravo Golf was still in operation, but the quality was not good. Big Ecuador earthquake, keep frequency clear request. 7.060 MHz was being used as radio amateurs handle emergency traffic. Serious problems have occurred with normal communication systems and hams in the Hotel Charlie 4 district have used their mobile stations or battery power. Moves to get generators and solar panels to them is affected by disruption of roads, some made impassable by the earthquake. 
Jim Linton, VK3 Papa Charlie, IARU Region 3 Chairman, Disaster Communications Committee, has been told relief groups in the Army had moved to provide humanitarian assistance as aftershocks continue to be felt. Meantime, the earthquakes in southern Japan has seen no major involvement by radio amateurs providing emergency communications. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Operational News on Felix, VK4FUQ2016. Air Alternative AX prefix available on Anzac Day. For Anzac Day Monday, April 25, all VK radio amateurs may use the Alternative AX callsign prefix. The WIA recommends that those using the AX prefix issue a special QSL card, particularly for prefix and card chases. These can be sought as proof of working in AX station. The WIA thanks all those who used the AX prefix last year and registered on its website. The registration for the Centenary Benzac was only for 2015, and no online registration is sought for this year. Please join the Anzac Day 2016 commemoration through local events and on-air via amateur radio. Among the many Anzac Day activities will be the traditional dawn services. Honor gatherings at war memorials, street marches, special functions at RSL clubs and sporting events. The Australian Football League will again hold its Anzac Day clash at the MCG between Collingwood and Essendon. Also, the School Amateur Radio Club Network and the Melbourne Region Scouts will hold tomorrow the Anzac Day Amateur Radio Special Event. This is a family event organised by Julie VK3FOWL and Joe VK3YSP. It is for school, scouts and aspiring young radio enthusiasts. It will be at the first Bentley Scout Hall, 21 Patterson Road, Bentley in southern Melbourne tomorrow, the 25th of April from 9am to 4pm. Much more detail is available from the School Amateur Radio Club Network website. The URL is on the text edition of this broadcast. Harry Angel, 80m Sprint, WIA, Saturday 7th of May. 1010 International Summer Contest, August 6 and 7. Remembrance Rady Contest, August 13 and 14. 36 Alara contests on the last four weekend in August, August 27-28. Special event stations, DX Beacon, Repeater and Net Advice. International Marconi Day activities. Marconi was born on the 25th of April 1874 and amateur radio operators around the world again are taking part in the International Marconi Day on Saturday the 23rd of April. The 24-hour long event has drawn participation by as many as 60 stations from around the world. GB4IMD will be operating from Smithian's showground in Cornwall. The CubeSat team of Politecnico di Torino invite the amateur radio community to participate in a competition to receive signals from their new satellite, E-Star 2. They say they have prizes for the first to receive the E-Star 2 signal, and for the one who will provide them with the highest number of packets received in the first month in orbit. All details of the competition can be found on Interweb. Nine-year-old in CQ Worldwide WPX Contest. Hope. KM4IPF achieved over 50,000 points. In the CQ Worldwide WPX Contest held March 26-27. Among the stations she worked were 5E5E in Morocco and YW4D in Venezuela. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FU QNing. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Thanks Felix, Jason and Graham. Robert VK3DN here. 
And I'll finish off today's news as Graham heads on a break. And then for the next few weeks, Brian, VK3GR and myself will bring you each week's WIA news service. So first to special interest groups and then a story well kept, not only for when our news editor Graham is away, but for Anzac Day as well. And I'll finish with the social scene. So first it's to Worldwide Special Interest Group's ARDF, ARDF Championship to break new record. Don Beatty, G3BJ, posts on the IARU Region 1 site that the World Amateur Direction Finding Championships 2016 is expected to have a record-breaking number of participants when they gather in Albina, Bulgaria, on September the 3rd to the 9th. Albina is a resort on the Black Sea coast where the last IARU Region 1 General Conference was held. So far, 374 participants from 33 countries in four continents have declared their intention to take part in it. Worldwide Special Interest Groups ATV New UK Amateur Radio Video Amateur radio is a hobby with so many aspects it can be hard to describe and difficult to know what to try first. The RSGB's new video gives you a taster of just some of the many exciting, challenging and fun things that you can do. You can see the video on the RSGB website or via their YouTube channel. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. 5,751 kilometres is the new claim distance record for QSO on AO85. Bertrand FG80J in Guadeloupe worked Jose EB1FVQ in Spain on April the 14th. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Internet, the Ham's Domain. This week, the Outer Board decided to accept the recommendation of the 2015 Names Policy Panel to introduce direct registrations in the .au domain. For example, yourname.au. This will make domain names which are much shorter, more appealing and more memorable to respond to market demand, be more attractive to natural individuals than the current option id.au and strengthen the .au brand in a globally competitive market. It's not yet in place, but no doubt your ISP will be advising you of this soon. Worldwide Special Interest Group's IOTA OC-165. Active will be 9M8RC from Satang Besar Island between April the 29th and May the 1st. Activity will be on the HF bands, QSL via 9W8KIF. Rewind. Rewind. A look back on our history. Australians at war get a radio station. Make sure you, however, before visiting the PX, have your ID and PX ration cards. The Australian PX now opens six days a week for you. Radio DJ, Vietnam, time 11.30. As Australia gets ready for Anzac Day, April the 25th, which is tomorrow, we reflect on how radio broadcasting was used by the Australian Logistics Support Group at Vang Tha in South Vietnam during the Vietnam War. The Australian soldiers were felt somewhat comforted thanks to a radio station that brought them news and music from home. Among those behind this development, the Field Workshop's telecommunications section, was craftsman Graham Kemp, a telecommunications technician with the 101 Field Workshops. The Australian Army, the soldiers' newspaper on May 23, 1967, reported the station using the headline, One Way or Another, the news gets around in the task force area in SVN, that's South Vietnam. 
Here's how they get the message. For nearly a year, Corporal Joe Borg of the workshops, which serviced all the Australian electronic and radio equipment, started getting tape news and music. This was expanded by his brother Alan, a member of the DJ club in Sydney. That club, as a project, compiled a six-hour tape. It had VIP interviews, and on Anzac Day, the New South Wales President, Sir William Nyeo, gave a short address. Building on that was Graham Kemp and his buddies, who sat down each night and Sunday for a few hours with scrounge tapes that they pieced together for the six-hour programs. The tapes kept coming, including those from 3SR Shepparton with Ray Battersby, arranging 400 taped recordings, and Ian Portis from Greenmont Beach in Queensland. The announcement, this is Radio DJ Vietnam, the Armed Forces radio station, was heard throughout the Australian Logistics Support Group area in Vang Tha. Now let's listen to some of its programs. 7 o'clock, this is Radio DJ Vietnam. It's the right sound in the Southland. Sporting editor of radio broadcasting station 2GB in Sydney, and it's indeed a pleasure for me on this occasion to be talking to you, the Australian troops in Vietnam. Firstly, might I say that in future we may be able to help you more and more. I know what it's like when a group. This is Radio DJ Vietnam, which is Armed Forces Radio, Australian Armed Forces Radio. Radio DJ in Vietnam. We're now going to cross over to Brisbane and Radio 4IP and Mr. David Greenwood. Radio DJ Vietnam. Don't forget to be listening for John Cox of a morning and then of an afternoon you'll be hearing that one and only Terry Wilmer. Now we've got Terry here and you've got some great records lined up I believe. Yes I have Graham. Uh, I hope to have um, in the near future any of some of the big pop stars who have just come back from England, uh, Pat Carroll, so I want to get some of her records, and also uh, the Easy Beats who brought out a, a new release Friday on my mind, I want us to get the flip side of that one, so we'll see what I can do. I believe you're uh, having an interview with Stevie Wright's dad who's over here. Yes, correct, yes I will be. Our radio station even had an outreach program that fixed radios for its listeners that went on the blink. Graham explains that it operated on a centre of dial frequency of 1,000 kilocycles. The station was on one meg because there was plenty of crystals available in the workshop. On air, 1010 was used because it had jingles from 4IP1010. Once the button was pressed at 9am, automation took over. It gave the latest in Australian gossip and music while everyone worked. The ingenious system had a tape recorder, tiny two-transistor transmitter, a power plant and for an aerial, it used telephone lines. Technicians kept the station on air were Craftsman Graham Kemp, Corporal Jeff Watts and Corporal Joe Borg. Graham was a technical producer at Station 4IP in Ipswich before his call-up. He describes the induction system using telephone lines as giving the station a giant cobweb antenna which penetrated every nook and cranny. Graham knew what he was talking about. Prior to 4IP, he was at 4BH as a technician. He did a three-year radio and TV servicing diploma course at a technical college. By using the induction system, it only needed 600 milliwatts, a very low power rate, but sufficient for good reception of up to 400 yards away from any telephone line. 
The system did not stop normal telephone operation and the broadcasters could not be heard without a radio receiver. What was equally important was that the broadcasts were limited in area so its transmissions could be kept private. Radio DJ Vietnam kept playing tapes sent to it from commercial stations around Australia. As Craftsman Kemp was ending his 12-month term, there were great plans of more recording programs from Australia and even hopes that turntables would arrive enabling the station to go live on Sundays. Back in civilian life, Graham Kemp VK4BB returned to his love everything to do with radio broadcasting. He retired in April 2015 as General Manager of the AMFM Radio TAB Australian Network after a career of 54 years both in front of and behind the microphone. A multifaceted man began on the technical side, then writing a bit and producing some funny voices that led him to the production side. A past president twice of Brisbane Mid-City Rotary, he was awarded one of Rotary's highest honours, a Paul Harris Fellowship. Among his many other awards was Wireless Institute of Australia's Life Membership, then its highest honour, the G.A. Taylor Medal. He is the anchor and producer of this WIA national news broadcast. The WIAQ is forerunner of the weekly transmission that still exists. WIAQ News is for Queensland. Among his many other radio-related activities included voicing and arranging public service announcements about amateur radio. The WIA is indeed very fortunate to have such a talented, experienced and passionate and committed person holding down its weekly broadcast. Now, talking about a well-earned holiday break from the broadcast, Graham Kemp will return in June. We now tune in to another transmission as heard by our troops. Radio DJ, Vietnam. Radio DJ presents... The Stuart Booth Show. Are you mad? That's what they said. This show has been made possible by the close coordination of man and machine and was dedicated to the preservation and use of the electronic wireless and associated biograph and phonographic equipment. It was produced and packaged by JAD and SP Enterprises and directed by that man of many, Ken Fordhead. Specialized segmentation came to you with a compliment to the National Defense Department. We wish to thank you and our cast of millions for their most devoted service. Good night and thank you. <laughs> From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And now to the social scene 2016. April 30th in VK6, it's Perth Tech. And April and May the 29th, the 2nd in VK4, it's the Clareview Gathering. Check the McKay Amateur Radio website. And on May the 7th in VK3, it's the Moorabbin and District Radio Club Hamfest in Mulgrave. And May the 27th to 29th in VK9, the WIA AGM this year on Norfolk Island. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, for this week's national news broadcast. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.